Well, join me in Philippians chapter 1, verses 22 through 30 tonight. We're going to continue through the book of Philippians. Just so thankful for what we've been able to learn through, uh, through Paul's example and his writings in the book of Philippians. It's been an encouraging and exciting journey as we've just seen uh, how that Paul can always rejoice no matter the circumstances. And, and I'm just thankful that we can learn that as a church too, that, that no matter the circumstances, how difficult it may be, we can still have reason to rejoice because of what Christ has done. And so as we look in Philippians chapter 1, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And if you remember last week, we left with this, this thought, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Man, what a tremendous testimony that Paul left. He said, listen, uh, for me to live is Christ. Not that it was agony, but for, for me, my one desire, my single-mindedness, my one focus in all that I do is Jesus Christ. And it, and it was shown. It was shown in everything that he did and everywhere he went. You could tell he had this single-minded attitude. And he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's where we, we, he left off there. And let's look at the uh, verses 22 through 30 here tonight as we finish out this uh, chapter number 1 here together. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye, may, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to, to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. 29. For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this just wonderful passage of Scripture. Lord, uh, every time we get into the Word of God, it's so exciting and so exhilarating to pull the truths that you've packed into such a small space for us. And Lord, we're just thankful for the impact it has in our life. And tonight, as we, as we uh, go through these uh, verses together, I pray that you would build our confidence in Jesus Christ. Lord, that every step that we take, every uh, uh, direction that we follow that you lead us, Lord, I pray that we would confidently obey you. We praise you, Father. Uh, we thank you for this time together. Bless our, our Bible study. But, Lord, we pray that you would also bless uh, the other ministries of the church and especially our time of prayer at the end. May you be glorified tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Adoniram Judson and his wife, Anne, went to Burma as missionaries in 1813, um, where uh, this is Judson would spend the majority of his life he spent nearly 40 years translating the Bible and preaching the gospel there in, in Burma. And for six years, they labored before they saw one Burmese person come to know Christ as their Savior. That's a long time to labor, isn't it? During Judson's time in Burma, he suffered like very few would ever be willing to suffer. 
He was denied permission from the king to preach the gospel. He was imprisoned numerous times. He suffered the death of his first and second wife and several of his children and endured other difficulties as well. Yet he was faithful to the work that God had called him to. And before his death in 1850, he translated the Bible in Burmese and wrote an English Burmese dictionary. And then as he went through these trials, one of the things that he wrote was, Had it not been for an assured conviction that every additional trial was ordered by infinite love and mercy, I must have sunk under my accumulated sufferings. Consider that with me. In Paul's life, he too suffered. In Paul's life too, he knew what it was like to to suffer and to go through uh, just a, a strenuous time because of the gospel Remember that God is still at work even when circumstances don't always point to that direction. And so tonight I want to look at three things in this passage as we see, because he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then he begins to, to, to share a little bit more in detail about that as we go through Philippians 1. And we see there's three things really that he's pointing to. And first off is his confidence, his hope, if you will, his faith, if you will. And so we see that Paul's faith is not just in God, uh, excuse me, Paul's faith was solely in God, but not just for salvation. His faith was also for the everyday needs of his life and it allowed him to be able to face different circumstances with confidence that God was still at work and God was, uh, was all he needed to help him endure. Human wisdom will fail you. But so will emotions and other things. Those things will fail. But what Paul realized was when he put his confidence in the Lord... That God is faithful. In verse number 22, he says, But if I live after, if I live in the flesh, that is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose, I what not. We see here, first off, his confidence was in a fruitful labor. Uh, think about this. If a job were advertised that required long hours, a regular uh, serious sacrifice, there was a great risk of danger, and uh, there would probably be some that would respond. Right. I, a matter of fact, uh, when they were looking for volunteers to be able uh, to to carry uh, the mail across the continent, uh, they advertised it as such, and there were many volunteers and many men would would sign up for this this job. But but listen, if the ad said that there would be no pay associated with the job, nobody would be interested in signing up for that job. You know, some are willing to work for things that uh, other than money. And we see people all the time, not just not, not here as much, but in other cultures where people will work uh, for a chicken or people will work for something else, you know. And, and we see that people are willing to barter for their labor. Uh, but we want to profit from our labor in some way. When it comes to our service for God, we also see that God rewards those who faithfully serve Him. The word flesh here, he says, but if I live in the flesh, it's not in reference to the seed of sinfulness as often we we talk about, but it's in reference to the physical life here on earth. And and so fruitful labor that he's talking about is what is wrought through the word. Think about it. As as he preached the gospel, his his fruit was from his preaching. His rewards was from those that trusted Christ as their Savior because they believed in the word and they were growing thereby. But he was also saw fruit that was produced by the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, 
faith, meekness, temperance. These things are, are fruit that we can uh, be able to re, be rewarded by when we're faithful to the, to the Lord. And so while Paul was alive, he continued to labor for the Lord. Uh, he shared that he had a single focus in his life. Remember, for me to live is Christ. Well, my one thing that I live for is Jesus Christ. And so Paul knew as long as he was alive, he would continue to produce fruits in, in his labor for God's vineyard. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 reminds us of that truth as well. If you look in verses number 8 and 9 with me, we can read those together. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 8 and 9. Well, I've got this on pause and you're looking that up. We're looking for someone who can pinch hit for us on the computer on a Wednesday night. And so if you're kind of computer savvy and wouldn't mind uh, helping us out in that uh, area, we'd sure, it'd sure be a blessing. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 8 and 9 says, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry, you're God's building. And so we see here that, that uh, God reminds us that there is fruit that happens when we labor for the Lord. Sometimes it takes years to come, as it did in Adoniram Judson's case. Sometimes it can it feel like a lifetime. Sometimes it happens immediately. Uh, you know, uh, we've had people who come to church here, and tonight, a matter of fact, in, in discipleship, a young man who came to church one time and got saved in the services is downstairs in discipleship right now. Uh, man, that's exciting to see when God allows us to see those instantaneous uh, uh, fruits for our labor. But then there's other times where we have to work and we have to labor. And Paul says, listen, work for the night is coming. Uh, he says, but if I live after the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. He says, I know that, that here on this earth I'm laboring and there's a purpose for it. But there is fruit in this labor here. And church, may I just encourage us, there is fruit. Uh, there is things that God is doing, and, and let us not grow weary, but instead be reminded that God is, is producing the fruit, and we can continue to see Him doing a tremendous work. But He also says in verse number 23, He says, For I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And so He begins to look at His future home as well. See, he had confidence in the fruit of the labor, but he was also confident in the future home. You see, life in heaven will be far greater than anything we experience on earth. Our mind can't conceive the incredible, uh, just in how the magnitude of heaven, the simple pleasures on this earth that we think are so uh, vital and important are nothing in comparison to the glories of heaven. Paul said he was in a strait between two. He says, I'm, I, I'm torn between two options. He had a hard time choosing whether to, to live to help the Philippian church or to be with the Lord. And his desire to depart was not born of exasperation from his suffering. It wasn't a, a hope to escape, but he wanted to see the Lord. I, I've noticed um, the longer I'm alive, the more, more I desire to see my Savior. You know, I think as a young man, I, I always thought, well, after I have kids or after I get married, then maybe the Lord can come. But now all I can think is, God, would you please come quickly? Lord, I, I'm ready to see your face to face, face to face with Christ my Savior. 2 Timothy 4, 6 says, For I am now ready to be offered, 
and the time of my departure is at hand. And this is the last epistle he wrote in 2 Timothy. And he says, listen, this is my time. I'm ready to meet the Lord. I have run a good race. I'm ready. His confidence in God grew despite his situation. It may have seemed disastrous at times, and the confidence or the circumstances may have seemed like they were catastrophic, but we recognize that his confidence grew more and more with every day. May our confidence grow. May we have a desire, because of we know that our future home is in heaven, to continue to be faithful on this earth. Listen, even if Paul became a martyr for the faith, he knew that all that he suffered in this, on this earth was nothing compared to the glories of heaven. You know, sometimes we look at the, the things around us and we say, man, if I just have this, or man, if I just had a little bit more of, of, of money, if, if things were just a little bit easier, you know, God, if you could just supply this. Proverbs 23, 17 reminds us, Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the feared, fear of the Lord all the day long. Let us not desire those things. Let us desire to walk with God. As Paul said here, For I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. That's my desire, is to be with Him. And so the next time you find yourself envying those million, multi-million dollar homes... Be reminded that serving Christ, no matter how poverty-stricken it may lead us, is far greater because the end result is, is far better. Philippians 1, 24-26 shares with us his faithful service. In verse 24, he says, Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of, of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. See, Paul was convinced of the necessity of his role here. He knew that he wanted to be with the Lord. He loved God, and man, he wanted so badly to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And yet, at the same time, he was saying, I know, though, that my ministry on this earth isn't done. I know that I still have a purpose. I know that God is still leading and God still has a reason for me to be here. And therefore, my desire is to be with you. My desire is to help you grow. And, and maybe he wasn't there at this moment with the church in Philippi, but he was there in, in spirit as he wrote this letter. And now he's here today in spirit through the, through the incredible work of the Holy Spirit and the fact that God used Paul to pen his words. We today have his inspired word uh, that we can read and benefit from. And we see that Paul's life, uh, that, that he had a desire to be with God, but even more needful, he said, was to be with the Philippian church and to invest in their life. Just as the elder is needed to teach the younger, so Paul was needed in this church to help train and to bring the church along. I'm, so, I'm, I'm just so excited for our church to, to be able to embrace and to be able to go forward in discipleship. Uh, what, a, what an incredible night for us as a church as we consider those 30-plus uh, those people, I didn't get a head count, that are down there doing discipleship right now, that are studying the Word of God on a one-on-one -on -one basis as we see that, that just as Paul said, it is needful for me that I could be here so I could help you continue to grow so that you could further your joy uh, and your faith. So they're doing down there and so we're doing together tonight. 2 Timothy 2.2 2 reminds us, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. 
That's what we're talking about. This has been the theme of Paul's life as a Christian. When, when after he got saved, he had one desire, and that was to help people come to Jesus Christ and to help them grow in Christ. Why are you here? Why are we here today? I believe that God's called us to continue to carry the gospel. But not just to carry the gospel, but to teach the whole gospel. All of God's Word. All right, so Paul desired to, to stay with them, but he also desired to see the joy of their faith. And Proverbs 11.30 reminds us, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. And so as a church, uh, you know, it's, it's a great reminder here that, that God calls us to continue to lead souls to Jesus Christ. And so Paul was confident in his role. and God, you know, Paul was confident in his need in this church at Philippi and the, to continue to share with them the gospel of Christ and continue to grow them and continue to carry them along. And so Paul knew that he had a reason for being there. But we also see that Paul had some convictions. He had a great confidence, but he also had a great conviction. In Philippians 1.27, he says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you, my, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Every member of an Olympic team represents their homeland. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, oftentimes when our Olympiads are there, they're, uh, they're, we we're often are proud when they stand on that top tier and they receive the gold medal. And we think that represents the best of America right there. Unfortunately, in 2016, four U.S. swimmers didn't represent America too well. How many of you remember what happened down in Rio de Janeiro? Yeah, it was a sad thing for our country. And these four swimmers, Ryan, Jimmy, uh, Gunner, and Jack, they vandalized a gas, bath, a gas station bathroom, and they were forced to pay for the damage after uh, they were accosted by two security men, and, and they just made up stories and lies, and they ruined the testimony of the USA swimming team. They were really, essentially, ambassadors representing us, and their testimony destroyed... Uh, for, uh, for all of us today, uh, what, what could have been a really positive thing in the eyes of the world. So Paul here, he recognizes the same truth in Christians. Now, we're not swimming for the Lord. You may be, I don't know. But we are ambassadors for Christ. And he says this in verse 27, Only let your conversation, that is also uh, referred to not just our, what we say, but the way that we live, our lifestyle, if you will. He says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, and that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. You see, our conversation should be that which is becoming of a Christian. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, There is something essentially wrong with a man who calls himself a Christian and who can listen to any truly evangelistic sermon without coming under conviction again, without feeling something of his own unworthiness, and without rejoicing when he hears the gospel remedy being presented. Conduct that becomes the gospel speaks of behavior that is a good reflection of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 20, just later in the same book, he says, For our conversation is in where, church? Heaven. 
For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That means our business dealings, our language, our attitudes, all should reflect a proper Christian conduct born out of biblical convictions. The Philippians, like many in that time, were not part of any kind of a moral majority. Now you remember that term from way back in the day. But listen, we're not today either, are we? And as we see our, uh, a society that's given over more and more to paganism, and we see a society that's given over more and more to ungodliness, let me remind you that just as Paul was able to see people saved in that, that time, so we can too. Just as Paul and the other disciples were able to, to go into the world and, and have the testimony that they turned the world upside down, so we can too. So we can see our city and our, our nation and our country uh, turned upside down for Jesus Christ. We see here in this same verse that Paul had a, a proper commitment to all he was doing. He says that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And there's three things in this commitment. We see first off one spirit, a unity here. Human nature always looks for the easy way out. It looks for a way that's easy, uh, that, goes, that goes with the pressure instead of opposing it. So Paul's counsel here was stand fast. Stand fast, church. Let's not cower or, or bend or break in the middle of all that we're going through, but instead let us stand fast and be faithful, uh, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord together because we know that our labor is not in vain. And so let us stand fast. And this is what they did this, to have one uh, unity, to have those shared convictions. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, it says, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Sometimes this kind of unity is hard to maintain. But as a church, we can see God bring unity when we submit ourselves humbly to Jesus Christ. And so let's work together for the sake of the gospel. We see one spirit here evidenced that he'd encouraged, but also one mind. When we have one pulling for an agenda and another pulling for their own, their own, the unity is lost, isn't it? It's not about an agenda, it's about a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And he left us the agenda that we need to follow. Somebody forgot to turn off their phone, I'm sorry about that. He left us an agenda that we need to follow. And that agenda is... See people saved, see them baptized, and make sure that they're trained so that they can continue to reproduce themselves. That's what we're here for. I get calls and emails every week, and I'm sure Pastor Tolbert has in the past, of people that wanted uh, us to get a part and be a part of this good cause and this good cause. And not that I'm against them, but that's not part of our purpose. Our purpose is, is to follow the, the leadership of Jesus Christ. And those are good things. And I can say, man, God be with you. That's great. But that's not why we're here. We're here for the purpose of seeing souls saved. And let's not forget that. And that's what Paul was saying. We have one spirit, one mind, one agenda, and that's following Jesus Christ. He says in, verse, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 25, he gives an example of a man who uh, truly knew what it was like to, to give uh, for the faith of the gospel. His name was Epaphroditus. He says, Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. 
Epaphroditus was such a brother. He was of one mind and one spirit with Paul. Matter of fact, he labored so intently in the gospel that the Bible says that he was nigh unto death. He was focused on the, on the faith of the gospel and helped Paul carry it forward in his life. But we also see that there is one faith. Notice there's not multiple ways to heaven. There's one way. There's not multiple avenues, but one Savior and one, one, one uh, method for salvation. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. Yesterday I was uh, in the parking lot at a Walmart, and, and as I was there, uh, I don't know, I, I guess I had this, this sign on my face that says, talk to me, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, and I'm just, I had to buy an additive for the car, and I'm dumping it in the gas tank, and I'm pouring it in the car, and, and up pulls this guy, and he rolls down his window, and he's laughing, and I, and I looked over and said, howdy, you know, and he just starts jibber-jabbering about all kinds of things, and he started to tell me about balance in the world, and good, and evil, and God, and devil. I believe in all of these things. I said, me too, and I believe that Jesus is the Savior for all of them. And well, he, he, was, he was a different kind of fella. And I just want to say that sometimes people get confused and they think, man, if I just worship the trees or worship this, you know, God's in all of those things. We're not pantheists. We, are, we, we serve one God and His name is Jesus Christ. Revealed Himself as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's the one that we, we worship today. And so let us stay focused on the church. Let's stay focused as a church on the faith of the gospel. He says, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's what we're working for. That's what we're laboring for. That's why we continual, uh, continually give, and that's why we continually go, and that's why we continually encourage one another and, and invest in uh, things like discipleship, because God's called us to help share that faith with the next generation so that it can continue to perpetuate. As Paul's confidence grew, his convictions grew. He knew that there was one faith. He knew that there was one mind, that there was one, one spirit that we must continue to invest in. And so, and so he was encouraging this church, listen, we must uh, together as one continue to carry the gospel into the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 3 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Consider this. When we become so focused on our problems... We hide the gospel behind a curtain of hate. Sometimes we get caught up in our, in our own issues that the lost are the ones that truly lose out. Let us continue to encourage weaker Christians to grow. Let us continue to get the gospel into our community. Let us continue to obey the word that we strive together for the faith of the gospel. Because Paul left us some counsel here in the last three verses. We see his uh, his confidence, we see his convictions, and finally his counsel here in the last three verses. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. Paul's counsel was twofold. First off, he says, don't fear the adversaries. In Philippians 1.28, we see that he says, Paul says, in nothing be terrified. He is speaking of the state in which, uh, which we're to be living in. It's not to be in fear or terror. Terror speaks 
of a startled horse or one that bolts away in conflict of battle. A Christian is not, we're not looking at pick fights, but we're, looking to, uh, we're not looking to deliberately avoid them either. And we, we'll understand that our adversary in 1 Peter 5, 8 is the devil. He says, our greatest adversary is Satan, and all human adversaries uh, sometimes are, are instruments of his to hinder or scare us out of our obedience to him. And so he says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And he says this, whom resists steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And, and I'm just reminded even now of James as he says, uh, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. And so church, let us resist him. Let's uh, stand together for the faith of the gospel. Let us continue to strive together that we can see the gospel carried out and not be afraid because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The battles we, we face may seem intense at times. But listen, Christ is our Savior, and He is able to overcome. And when we come to Christ, there, is a, there, there was probably going to be a beginning of new battles. Some people think when you come to Christ, it's going to be easy street, right? How many of y'all been saved long enough to figure that out, that out? That's not true. Amen. When we get saved, there's a brand new set of battles awaiting us. But the good thing is, is that we don't find them alone. The good thing is, is we've got a heavyweight champion in our corner. And he stands there and he's ready to help us out. And he's ready to, to, uh, to over, help us to be overcomers in his name. And this is what Christ says in John 16, These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribu tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's the great news. The great news for us today as Christians is that Christ is not only with us, but he has reminded us that uh, he is the overcomer of the world. So when Satan wants to destroy, just remind him that one of these days he will be destroyed. When Satan wants to remind you that, that you are unable, remind him that he is one day destined to be destroyed forever. And then he says, don't, just, don't fear the adversaries, but also don't forsake the assignment in verses 29 and 30. He says, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe, but also to suffer for his sake. And so he says there is an assignment here and so, as a church, let us be reminded not to grow weary in well-doings, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I, I get calls almost every week of churches that are weary in well-doing. I was just talking with Brother Tracy about a church in Rolla that's weary in well-doing. I get I hear from churches in our, even in our area that are closer that are weary in well-doing. And church, let us be an encouragement to these. Let us be an, uh, uh, just a blessing and help bolster them and remind them, listen, we've got an assignment that God has left us with, and so let us continue to grow together in Christ Jesus, and let us be on the winning side with Him. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 19, we see that Paul, as he was in, in, the, uh, in Philippi the first time, as he's carrying the gospel there, that they went through conflict. And this is what happened. He says, And when, he, when her masters saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. And so they, there was conflict there. But listen, though there was conflict, we see that God is the victor. Conflict is the same word that we get our word agony from. It's the same word that is used for Christ's struggle in the garden. And just as Christ went through that, in that struggle... 
So when he has called us oftentimes to go through struggles, to go through conflicts. And I want to remind you that faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. We serve a mighty God today. We serve a mighty uh, purpose in our, in our church and in, in what we do here this morning and this evening, whatever time of day it is. It all runs together eventually. But I, just as a church, I think that we, as, as we see Paul's example here, that we can grow in our confidence in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're struggling with doubt today. Maybe you've got doubt regarding God's support in your life and, and His desire to be there to encourage you. And, and just let me, let me just point you back to Paul and his example. And just as he had confidence and conviction based on the Word of God and his experience, may we also, based upon God's Word, have confidence and conviction to continue to go forward and continue to strive for the sake of the gospel. Because God is faithful. God is good. And He is always good. Even when circumstances seem bad, it does not negate the fact that God is good. And He still loves us. And church, as we, as we go through trial, and as, as He was going through this trial, and He says, I live in the flesh, but listen, I, I have a desire uh, to be with Him, but it's more needful that I'm here. And, and sometimes we, we get weary and get wore out, and we think, Lord, I don't even know why I'm here anymore. But God's got us here for a purpose. And God's allowed us to be born in, in, in this era and to live in this time. And God's called you and me to live where we live. And we have the opportunity to carry the gospel to our neighbors and to those around us. And God has said, listen, you are my ambassador and I still have a plan for you and your life. No matter what difficulty you may be in right now. Even Paul in that prison, God, God was using him to reach Roman Guards And God was using him to reach those in Caesar's household. And we see that God was using him in, his, in the middle of his conflict, not because uh, uh, of any human understanding, but because God's understanding is far greater. And just as when we can't understand and we don't quite grasp, we can always trust. So will you remain faithful? Will you choose to be faithful to the calling of God in your life? Will you choose to pick up the ropes and say, listen, God, I want to continue uh, to, to be confident in you and let my confidence grow in you on a daily basis. You may not have a big faith, but if your faith is in a big God, that's what matters.